Take two. Fastest growing surf pod, 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 podcast North America worldwide. Worldwide. Life surfer. Life surfer. Hey, greetings. I'm in a rental Mazda. Stoke City, bitch. Uh, I don't even know what it's called, but it's a shitty little Mazda. Uh, my Honda Pilot, my beloved 2013 Honda Pilot is getting some auto body work. Yeah, man. I ran over a crowbar going, I swear to God, five miles per hour on a freeway called uh, Interstate 880. I don't know if it's Interstate, actually. It's just 880. Anyway, uh, I was by Oakland, and uh, I was stuck in traffic, and I I could not avoid this crowbar or hunk of metal. I slowly went over it, flipped it up at a perfect angle, and it smacked the side of my door. Luckily, I didn't have a flat tire, but it did ding my door pretty good, so uh, so it's getting repaired. So I'm reporting live from a, a, a Nissan uh, Sentra. That's what it's called. Kind of like the car. Um, it's got this, uh, like touchscreen where you can plug your phone in and then it mimics your iPhone um, so it's kind of easy to navigate but you know I love me and my Honda Pilot it's paid off it's got 180,000 miles on it or so I can fit surfboards in it kids like it I like it anyway my name is Jeff I'm a Honda Pilot driver as you know I'm a uh, fledgling podcaster I'm a uh, I don't know 6'2 to 910 Ripper and I'm a midlife surfer and uh, I'm pleased to uh, have a a new voice on this podcast a gentleman named Kyle Johnson of Juicebox Surfboards and Juicebox Signs check him out on Instagram Juicebox Surfboards or if you Google him you'll find his website um, I think he says his web address too during the forthcoming interview but I would argue among the prettiest boards in town. I haven't surfed them, but the designs look, um, well, I'm no surfboard shaper, and I didn't critique his designs too much, but the guy definitely knows what he's talking about. It seems like uh, elegance through simplicity would be the term. Like, they're really simple designs, time-tested that work. I see more of his boards uh, surfed around town. He's got a beautiful showroom, and that's where I caught up with Kyle, and I was just... uh, I was just pumped to get a new voice on the pod and to talk to someone whose product I've admired for a while now. So here comes Kyle from Juicebox Surfboards. And by the way, I'm on my way to Costco. I have a gnarly ear infection. I mean, it feels like a damn golf ball is in my ear. So I think I'm going to have to start wearing earplugs in the water. Uh, as if I need something else to affect my shitty balance. But I'll keep you posted on the, the status of my ear infection. I have uh, antibiotic drops. Those aren't cutting it. Uh, I'm two and a half days in, and it's the same. So I've just been taking ibuprofen around the clock. So I'm going to have to go pick up those uh, those uh, evil, actual oral antibiotics, amoxicillin. So wish me luck. I'm going to wash it down with a probiotic so it doesn't fuck my biome up too much. And uh, anyway... If you've had an ear infection from surfing or you have advice other than pour hydrogen peroxide in your ear every now and then, I'm all ears. <laughs> Get it? All right, here comes Kyle, Juicebox Surfboards. Holla. Stoke City, bitch. Once you, uh, yeah, why don't you give me your websites one more time if you don't mind? Yeah, juiceboxsurfboards.com and juiceboxsignco.com. All right, excellent. And then the Instagrams are the same. Right on. Cool. Cool. Well, I have Kyle Johnson on. Uh, Kyle Johnson on of uh, Juicebox Surfboards and Juicebox Signco. Yeah. And I see, I see, uh, I see your truck all around town. Your van, uh-huh. right? And yeah. I talked to you a little bit. Um, I talked to you a little bit in the hook parking lot. I, I've, I've wanted to talk to you for a while because 
I love the aesthetics of your boards. Uh-huh. And I also just grown to like the feel of like a heavy glass, you know, like nicely built board. So yeah. anyway, uh, I remember your juice box logo when it was like a juice box, right? With straw sticking out. And mm-hmm. I know you kind of, I see you moved to that really clean um, cursive juice box logo too. Um, so anyway, you just seem like the kind of dude I'd want to talk to and just kind of <laughs> learn more about you. Uh, first question is, so are you spending more time doing signs or boards or is it 50, 50 or how do you spend your time mostly? These days it's mostly signs. Yeah. I'm pretty ramped back on my surfboard labor Mm. for the longest time I was shaping my boards and then glassing over at Juno's. Mm -hmm. Um, so from about 2014 through 2017 or so I was the full-time laminator in there um doing all the laminating of the boards that came through the shop so that was my boards his boards and yeah any anybody else you know a lot of backyard boards or or whatever um so that was that was a great opportunity for me to get my board building skills yeah up to speed and you know when i got there i was like just good enough to sort of get it on there and do a decent cut lap but it wasn't fast and I wasn't doing more than maybe two sides a day or something. So, um, yeah, so I was full-time surfboards basically through 2017, maybe sometime in 2018, I had to break it to Michelle that I couldn't be his laminator anymore, which was tough. Um, and yeah, sign the sign business, sign work has just gradually been growing little by little. And in the last, Let's see, I've been here almost two years. The last three years, it's been, it's gone from maybe like 60, 40 sign work to, I don't know, yeah. 75, 25. Right on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, in 730 Water Street, that's just a cool address too. Yeah. He's got, uh, Kyle's got this kick-ass showroom uh, and I've driven by it a thousand times. I'm finally in here and with his dog, Cody. And uh, it's just, it looks like the room of an artist. I mean, there's, there's paint splatters everywhere and there's just, it looks like you're a creator. Tons of cool signs. Do you have like, a, I don't know, like an aesthetic or like a way to describe like your art style? Oh man, I don't know. I try and, I try and be as versatile as possible if you could say that um everything i do kind of tends to the old school surfboards included um i don't know like for around here i'm probably a little more like on the hot rod 60s sort of custom car type of thing but uh with the lettering and the sign work i like it all uh you know anything right up until the mid 80s when when vinyl signs took over. Right, right. <laughs> you know, my favorite book honestly came out the year I was born. And, uh, you know, some of it definitely looks 80s at this point, but also 80s and 90s are kind of cool again. Yeah. It's already 20, what, 30 years ago. What book are you referencing? Uh, it's written by a guy named Mike Stevens, and it's called Mastering the Art of Layout and Eye Appeal. Okay. Or something like that. Cool. Yeah. And that was like the book, the first book I got when I decided I wanted to be a sign painter. Right on. Are you from here, Kyle? No, I'm from Los Angeles. Yeah. I moved to Santa Cruz in the middle of 2009. Word. All right. And you surfed all your life? Mm, I started surfing in my mid-teens. Yeah. Probably about just before I could drive. Our moms had to drive us to the beach. We learned to surf at Venice Beach. Ah. Me and three other friends. And then... 
Yeah, I was a pretty serious baseball player, basically. Through, Is that right? Through high school. Yeah. Cool. Playing ball year-round from like 12 to 18. No kidding. And uh, so I didn't really, really get into surfing until I went to school in San Diego. Yeah. And uh, the surfing opportunities there are just yeah. vast compared to... South yeah. Bay, LA. Yeah, no kidding. Venice doesn't strike me as. A, <laughs> I mean, I hear about. I don't know LA surfing too much, but obviously there's Malibu, but then El Porto. That's about. Those are the spots, right? Yeah. So yeah, we graduated to El Porto, yeah. and we surfed El Porto to death, <laughs> and uh, Sunset Boulevard, where yeah. Sunset meets the coast. There's kind of a man-made sort of riprap point. Yeah. That was a good place to learn to longboard because yeah. it's soft. You know, you could equate that to 38th around here. Yep. And yeah, we'd get up to Malibu a little bit, but honestly, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, you get one good one and you're stoked. Yeah. But you got to earn that. Day to day basis. Yeah. El Porto was our spot. Yeah. And then that was where I got to sort of meet and witness my idol, who is Tyler Hadzikian. Right. And he, you know, he talked about putting it all together just in terms of like surfing ability, unique approach just unique in every way and like a un unwavering sort of focus and drive and his board building start to finish yeah. uh what do you call that like just his the way he does things yeah. you know he, he was a start to finish guy and i really respected that right on yeah. So I, that was where I want, who I wanted to be. <laughs> right on. And you met him down in San Diego? No. Is that what he said? I'm uh, sorry. El Porto. El Porto. El so he's an L.A. guy. Yeah, he's South Bay, L.A. I, I think of him and I just think of like, I, I'm like, he must be good at that or he's just good for, he's getting good prices on his boards, which all of you should because I know it's not a, a huge money maker. Uh, it's a yeah. labor of love. So I always like seeing expensive boards. <laughs> More margin for you. I think you deserve it. But um, his boards are pricey. Oh, yeah. And like, uh, I mean, they are now. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's been at it for way longer than sure. people know. Got it. He was doing this stuff in the early 90s, mid 90s yeah. or whatever. When like, uh, I mean, it's unreal because he talks about how he's like, nobody was in Malibu. Right. Longboarding wasn't cool. In the night, like classic 90s. style longboards. Right. It just wasn't the thing. And so his, his designs were so there and refined and special. Mm. 10 years before, you know, like it got cool in like the early 2000s or something. And so, you know, he was already setting the bar, both Mm -hmm. like quality and price wise, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, that's just part of his deal. And I respect that, you know, you just, you can't sell yourself short like that. Right. So, yeah. So you met Tyler and Mm -hmm. you started talking shop with him, talking about boards. You had an interest in shaping boards or did he more inspire you on the surfing end first? Yeah, I was always like almost too shy to really break the ice with him. Yeah. Um, We didn't talk boards much. You know, I got to like, it was mostly an observing and like a little, we'd have little interactions where, you know, I just, you know, I was like a 17, 18 up to 20 maybe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just take that home and like ruminate on it and think about it and all that stuff. Uh, So, you know, if I was more of a, outgoing person I, I probably could have and should have just tried to get you know the sweep the shop yeah. job or something yeah. at this place but um i just had so much re- respect for him i, yeah. I didn't even want to like uh you know be that yeah guy you know hey tyler hey tyler you know annoy yeah. him or whatever yeah. you know so it's funny when you look back i mean everyone has these stories most people do but like 
I look back at opportunities not missed, but that I didn't pursue now in hindsight as a 41 year old, you know, like, yeah. you know, now I'm confident, like, I'm not scared to call you and say, can I pop in? You know what I mean? It's like a big mm-hmm. freaking deal, you know, you <laughs> yeah. can say no. Okay. But like yeah. when you're in 1920, you know, how you're almost, I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, like almost like starstruck, I'd hold someone in hollow, you know, ground. And I just exactly. didn't want to, uh, uh, you know, but he's just the dude, right? Like, yeah. you know, in hindsight, he probably would have said, yeah, sweep my shop, you know, come on in. Totally. And <laughs> yeah. like, uh, you know, from my standpoint, you know, that's, it's awesome to see a young kid who's yeah, excited exactly. about what you're doing and like, you know, really, really into it and digs it. Um, yeah. Do you see young kids interested in shaping and glassing and doing what you do? A little. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. I think it's always there. Um, I think there's a lot of them who are casually interested in it Mm -hmm. and then realize kind of like how much work it is Mm -hmm. and time consuming and, you know, dirty. Shaping isn't really a comfortable thing to do on a hot day, Mm. you know, because your room is enclosed it's dark it's kind of stuffy especially mm. after hustling around in there for two or three hours and uh yeah it's hard work mm. but uh i also tell anybody who is interested in it to try it yeah. you know you can rent a shaping room at midtown or yeah. whatever or even you know some of the other guys in the factories are nice about renting their space out and yeah. uh you know at the end of the day, everything, as long as you leave enough foam in there, floats. And so everything works to a certain degree. And right. it's just really uh, enlightening to see what happens yeah. with what you make. So are you autonomous? You start to finish? Are you hand-shaped all the way to glass? or uh, Used to be. Yeah. That's how I was when I was working at Michelle's. Um, these days, I'm much more just focused on shaping. Mm-hmm. But everything I've ever made was hand-shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided it's early on that if it came to scrubbing out blanks, uh, I'd find something else to do. Mm. I did some in a production level at Arrow. Yep. You know, they have CNC machine. Yeah. And that, there was a very early time where I was making stock boards where I was yep. running that CNC machine and then I'd take them in the other room, scrub them out mm. and get them tuned up and then put them in the rack but so yeah. if i may if I cook like me so a cnc basically is automated shaping so it's going to give you the real the rough sketch of the board right like it's going to give you the yeah. contours the dimensions blah 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 and then when you say scrub it out so then you refine it after that yeah you're basically just using hand tools yeah. sanding block tiny bit of sure form yeah but basically just sanding block screens and mm. a little block plane Mm. The the good machines are very accurate, yeah. and that's why that's the name of the game. Yeah, and uh, the thing comes out looking pretty like pretty close. Yeah, you're not really changing much when yeah. it comes to scrubbing. Them so, out. what brought you up to Santa Cruz? Pursuit of surfing. Cool. Surfing and building boards, yeah. and just like uh, like-minded friends and community in LA. There's it's there, but it's so spread out, mm. and. Uh, you know, I had a handful of friends my age who were just out of school and living here and kind of right. seemed like they were living the dream, so. Cool, yeah. and when you got up here, you started working with Bob Pearson? Yeah, I got, I got my first job here was at Pacific Wave, uh-huh. working downtown, Sure. and then just luck of the draw, I met Carl Olson, yeah. who was the main, one of the four shapers at Arrow, and he looked at some skateboards I had made and started asking me questions about them and what I was doing. And then just right then and there said, 
come get a job with me at Arrow. And uh, took some time. Yeah. And yeah, it was total low level, bottom totem pole. Yeah. Uh, cleaning the shop, moving blanks around, moving papers around, office what, stuff. What did you learn working there? A lot. Yeah. Uh, so much. More than I could have ever imagined. Really? Uh, yeah. Because somebody like Bob is just, I mean, his passion for surfboards and knowledge of surfboard design and construction is so deep. Uh, just being there, you soak it up. And then, yeah, he trained me to shape, do rail bands, step by step, every step of the way. Really? Uh, yeah. And because, I mean, at that time, 2009, was recession. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason I moved here is because I just couldn't find a job. I was going yeah. to take any job I could get. So clothing store job was great. Yep. Get me started. Yep. And, um, so, yeah, he had a full crew of shapers. And then by, I don't know, 2010, they were almost all gone. Hmm. So, um, And that was just because the volume of surfboards had gone down so much in that slow time? Yeah. Assuming. Uh, just everything. Yeah. I think, I think the, those, I mean, everybody left for a different reason, personal reasons, yeah. but also career moves. You know, they were probably late 20s, mid 30s. I don't know. Yeah. Um, time to, you know, yeah. make make some hay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there was a void there. I was there every day. I was eager. There was one day when I told Bob, I was, showed him a bunch of stuff I had made, little model surfboards and a fin and maybe mm. even a skateboard too, just to show him that I was good with my hands. Yeah. And, and I, eye-hand coordination sort of. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, okay. And um, so yeah, working at Arrow, learned everything. Performance shortboards, weird yeah. conceptual boards, paddle yeah. boards, yeah. Uh, prone paddle boards, yeah. carbon fiber construction. Yeah. Uh, learned the whole board building process, you know, laminating, hot coating. That's great. All that stuff. Excellent. And then from there, you moved over to Almar. Is it Almar Glassworks or uh, what's over there in Juno's shop? Yeah, or... Almar Surfworks. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. And Michelle was running that. And uh, I sort of s- traded my production shaping duties at Arrow for being the laminator Yeah. Uh, at Michelle's and running my fledgling label at the time. Yeah. You know very small. I, I don't know how many customs I'd done yeah. at Arrow, but um, yeah, that, that was like, I had done maybe 20 glass jobs, color tint glass jobs yeah. on longboards. And yeah. so um, again, I was kind of shy about it when I got to Michelle's, but I was like, you know, I, I can do this. And it's all really, cause we really need you, somebody to do it. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, luckily he had the confidence or I don't know, saw something that made him think I could do it. And uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've always loved the glass jobs on Michelle's boards. I have an Ado. It's like, honestly, like if I was to net out all of my positive experiences surfing, I have this fat Ado egg. Yeah. It's like 23 wide. It's mm-hmm. like three and a 16th thick. Yep. It's not really a whole, I would, I'm not, I'm a kook about describing that anyway, but it's just, it's just a big ass stable. It's like a mini longboard. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, cl- it's kind of cream, and then the tail is just this green, you know? But it's almost like Rothko style, like the blend. And oh, yeah. I think you saw it in the lot, and you said, you, I was looking at that, I think I might have glassed that, which made sense, because I had it made <laughs> in that time period. So, um, I don't know. I see that same aesthetic, you know, t- transfers over to your boards. And for the listener, I'd put your, like, aesthetic in the same wheelhouse as, like, Travis Reynolds or, say, Andrini or Juno or Bing or, you know, just those classic kind of colors, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you learn... so. 
you knew how to glass. You had some glassing experience at Bob's probably, right, Pearson? A little. Okay. I was kind of doing that. Uh, I was a little bit sneaking around doing yeah. that, like yeah. doing it on just my boards, you know, yeah. after hours. There's, there's a tricky thing there where guys are nervous about, you know, young guys like me coming in and taking their work. Totally. You know? So, uh, yeah, it was just my boards are, you know, here and there. Mm. Um, Mm. Yeah. trying to figure it out yeah yeah you know, some very rough cut laps at the beginning and then yeah you know, something clicks and then yeah. all right and so then you really started to own your glassing it's is it laminating or glassing are those the same are those interchangeable terms or laminating is uh the fiber putting the yeah. fiberglass onto the blank yeah glassing i would consider you know like the whole rest of the board building process okay all the resin work yeah glassing you know is the Fiberglass, and then finished coats and okay. all that. All that and were you work. doing both uh, for Michelle Juno, or which one were you doing? I was doing the laminating. Got it. And then for a while there, I was doing the hot coats too. Yeah. You know, before me, they had Tony Micus, and he did every all the resin yeah. in the shop, and that was really good for them because it's a small room. Yep. And you know, he would get the boards, take the boards all the way until they moved out of the room, go to the sander, and then they come back and get either pin lines or panels or just a gloss. Mm -hmm. And so Tony did all that. And so when I was there, we were kind of, there was sort of three of us splitting up all those duties. Mm. And, you know, I didn't want to be full, full time mm -hmm. production resin guy. Mm. Um, Cause I wanted to do my stuff. And I, was, yeah. I had, after a year or two, I had my own little shop space where I was painting signs and, you know, I was starting to get divided up in different ways. Right. So I didn't want to just be the resin guy. So we were splitting it up. Um, so, you know, I even stopped laminating and then he found a guy who didn't feel totally good with the colors. Mm. So then I was doing just Michelle's color laminations and mine. And then that guy was doing all the rest. Hmm. So okay. it was a committee, yeah. you know, working yeah. around each other, just trying to keep it all afloat. I hear that the sander is incredibly important to keeping the spirit of the shaper's vision yeah. on the board. Is that right? It is. I mean, every step of the way can right. make or break the board. Right, right. But the sander, yeah. Uh, just in terms of the finer elements of the feel and finish yeah. of the board is absolutely critical. Yeah. Really hard and, you know, um, always kind of underappreciated. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just in terms of getting the boards flat and consistent uh. and the edges tuned and the mm. rails so they're not beveled or... Right. So everything is basically just as the shaper wanted right. it. And you're a hand shaper. So like, this is such a rudimentary question, but how do you keep them parallel? I mean, like, I'm always amazed at how the rails are absolutely paralleled, you know, by yeah. a hand-shaped board. Yeah, well, that's just the process and the way the room is set up with the lights. Yeah. Um, you have these shelves with the fluorescent lights mm -hmm, underneath them. Mm -hmm. um, so they cast light straight across the board. And so having a tuned room and everything, but also just being systematic in your cuts. Some guys count. I don't count. Um, it's just all about training your eye and your hands. And uh, like with doming the deck and turning the rails doing rail bands solid passes with the planer and the planer is unwieldy at first but it is the most accurate 
way to do it. Is there that, what's that vintage brand? I think it's discontinued. Skill. The Skill, Skill 100. Yeah. yeah, I got one. I don't know how long ago they were discontinued, <laughs> but yeah. Is the hype real on the Skill 100? <laughs> I mean, like uh, yeah. when you get in your hand, well, you're like, yeah, all right, because I get the it. Ones, the ones that are in production now are the new ones, the Hitachis. It's just a smaller shoe. Okay. And so it's, it works well for small boards, but for long boards, you know, everything over seven feet, I use my skill. Got it. And then, oh, okay. Um, it's more about the length of the shoe. You know, it's just like, a, you know, if you're going to level something out, you don't want to use a little pocket level. You want something that's going to, you know, right. long enough to represent the whole length of whatever it is you're leveling so out. So is that skill 100, is that a belt sander? Uh, no. No, it's a door planer. Okay. They're all door planers. So it's like door a planer. cylind cylindrical set of knives. Yeah. You know, and they're about three or three and a half inches wide and a depth yeah. adjustment. What's great about the skill compared to any other unmodified planer out there is that you can change the depth on the fly. Makita's or anything that's just sold at the hardware store, you set the depth and then you run it across. Right. So with the skill, you can change your depth as you go. And like the modified Hitachis that you can, you, I don't even know if you can still get them, but uh, the ones that they were selling. Yeah, you, you can, with a quarter turn of the knob, you change an eighth of an inch, zero to an eighth of an inch of cut. While you're cutting. While you're cutting. Yeah. And Why the hell hasn't there been a shoe created or a planer specifically for shaping surfboards? There has, yeah. uh, what are they called, accurate. Okay. pointers and they're really nice yeah I tried to get one they're really expensive yeah beautiful things though but really you know it's just not a big enough industry for yeah. somebody to go into production with you know not. tool up a whole factory and yeah. um it's similar to, i mean similar to surfboards themselves yeah hand-shaped or handmade surfboards it's just a, the whole time i've been involved it's just a dwindling little piece of the industry yeah. You know, um, so there's a lot of mystique to it. And there is something about the nicheness of it that, and I'm, I'm full disclosure. I'm basically an adult learner. I'm 41. I've been serving about 10 years, mm -hmm. and, but, but you know, you get hooked and I can't believe how, you know, the bug bites you and then you can't stop thinking about it. You know, if I don't yeah. do that once, twice a week, it's like, I'm not hitting my personal quota you know i need for my Absolutely, existence yeah. happiness and it's a trip i never saw that coming at all you almost wish you didn't start because you get the bug <laughs> i've spent so much money on so many damn boards and whatever yeah. started a stupid podcast two years deep on this um what kind of boards do you do you have a specific type of board that you like to shape i uh, with your offering yeah well that's kind of where i'm at now yeah. since i'm not i'm actually no longer doing custom orders i'm selling them i'm making them and selling them out of my shop here and so, yeah, just really focusing on my traditional style longboards, you know, whether that and like, whether that's like a kind of an old school nose rider style thing, you know, referenced back to the early mid 60s or like right. a transitional style, you know, mini longboard that's right. like a, right before they got really short. Yeah. Um, so really it's just splitting hairs tuning up amounts of uh rocker and belly and rail profile and weight and volume yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, i mean it's kind of it kind of amounts to everything but it's the differences and the adjustments are end up being so subtle yeah that uh you know it can it can kind of destroy your confidence in what you're doing 
because you'll make something that, or I'll make something that feels sort of like a dud, and then I'll compare it to one I thought was magic, and it's like immeasurable, sometimes immeasurable differences. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, that's just what keeps you hooked, you're always thinking about it. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have an amazing session on board, and then, and then I'll go out and not click with it the next couple times and I'm just like what's going on I, here you know that's I find comfort in hearing that yeah you know that makes sense though I mean because the medium the palette on which you're surfing changes as well too and yeah. all days are different swells are different tides are different so one day's magic and one day's shitty yeah yeah that was one thing that uh learned from Bob that he is so good about is is uh removing you know complicating and irrelevant factors you know he makes all of his adjustments with rocker and template his bottoms are mostly flat, you know, um, and it's and and then he also always said like, uh, you know, the only way to be real sure about changes you're making is to make very small changes, but also have two. If you're changing fins or something, you know, same session, same day, same wave, like right then and there, and that takes a lot of discipline. You know, if it's good out there, yeah, you don't want to go no all the way in change your fins, you lose 15 minutes doing that. That's a couple waves, could be, and go back out and then maybe that doesn't work. You know, you blow it on your next two waves and you gotta go in, so then you, there you go, you lost a half hour, the tide change, yeah. all that stuff, yeah. you know, and so. It, I, I wonder, <laughs> like, obviously there's hydrodynamics, there's engineering, there's actual science there, but also, I don't know, some of it sometimes just seems like bro science too, in oh, yeah. a way, right? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. And like, uh, we all do it. We all get stuff in our heads where, you know, we're not interested in a board because something about it. And it's not founded in anything other than just something that's in your head. But that matters. It matters, yeah. You know, one of my, one of my idols early on, I read an article with him, he's all, color affects the ride, man. And it's, you know. It's color great. affects the, the ride. the wrong color, you're gonna think it's gonna not work or something like that. I know, know? ain't that something? But also just, you know, cosmically, it just affects your approach. But yeah, you're right. It is a bro science. It's a pseudo science at that, if that, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, you know, like soft rails on a nose rider and the tail, you know, I feel that suck up and, you, yeah. know, you know, as opposed to looking at a nice tucked edge where you can kind of shoot out and come back, you know. So there's obviously principles, obviously. But um, I wonder about that myself too. Like, and I, I'm with you on the glassing, like the colors and stuff. If I don't like mm -hmm. the way the board looks, like, I'm in my head about it. I'm shitty enough as is. Like I need everything in my favor, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, so you make long boards. I, is that a whole, whole design I see there? Like a seven, six or seven Oh eight Oh. Yeah. That's an eight Oh. Yeah. That's pretty bored. I'm stubborn about those. I yeah. like them. I probably actually the main thing I like about them is just like the sort of pureness of the form mm. and shaping them. I honestly don't ride them a whole ton. I'm a goofy foot, so it's, it's oh. a real uphill. It's tough to go backside on the hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, got it. Uh, but uh, you know what makes those things it work and feel right is it's just a foil. You know, you you can shape the entire thing with your planer, and it's convex on both sides, mm. and um, the whole shape comes together with. I mean, it's it's not that much different, but the whole thing comes together with with just the way you foil. Mm side to side and nose to tail. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Rather than a, say like a flat bottomed board with a tucked edge, you're, you, you cut template and you insert the rocker and, uh, and then you basically dome the deck and turn a rail. Whereas with these things, you, 
the way the rocker and ends of the board come together is also the generated from the foil and the, the way you remove thickness. I hear they're difficult to ride. Oh yeah, yeah, they're silly. They're, I mean, they're silly. <laughs> they're silly. In terms of in terms of like a progression of your own surfing, you know, some people take to them and some people don't. Yeah. But you know, I get on one of those things and the first wave, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, uh, really, you don't like pushing on the tail is what you don't do. Right. And so with any sort of modern board, that's what you do do. Yeah. Um, so you, I'm going to assume like. If I was to give that a go, I'm going to stay low. I'm going to get up the the front third of the board and just get low, try to get the rail in the face of the wave and go. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just climbing and dropping mm. and staying close to the pocket. <laughs> That's about um, all I'm doing anyway. Yeah. Well, but, except for the staying close to the pocket part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the feeling is is absolutely pure I and really flies. addicting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get a good point break wave or anything right. with a good long line to yeah. it. And... Uh, the feeling is unreal. At the 38s so. or private or probably the hook on a good day. Mm -hmm. If yeah. the swell's the right direction, probably get going. Totally. Yeah. But, cool. you know, really they came out of Malibu and Rincon. Okay. And, you know, if I'm sure if you were at some perfect point break in Baja for a week, yeah. you'd be absolutely hooked. But, yes. you know, around here with whatever the complicating factors of crowd and kelp and mm. lumps in the wave it's pretty tricky yeah i bet okay cool and then i'm seeing uh what's behind that like an egg and then you have a fish or something similar i can't see exactly yeah, that a one four fin double wing nice swallowtail that's based nice. on like a like a san diego design yeah like uh steve liz was he the, the yeah he was the godfather of the fish the down there creator of the fish yeah. this is this is like a referencing a rich pavel yeah who was like a generation yeah behind steve yeah i don't know i don't know his work too well but I, I see his boards around he has a speed dialer he's got some popular models yeah and then on the ground here it looks like you surf this guy yeah that's my board that's a nine two uh -huh. pintail that's what i would call like a transitional style yeah board so transitional style i think of that nat young 66 model i know uh palin Drani, Palandrini, Palandrani, he makes a couple of those. Yeah. Are the hips a little wider in the back? Is it more turny? Or how would a, a transitional style longboard differ than, say, a nose rider? Yeah, well, basically the focus is no longer on getting to the nose. There's like right place, right time right. nose rides. But it's it's trying to put it all together. It's like, it's, by transitional, I mean it's on the way from longboarding to shortboarding. Mm -hmm. Or to, you know, at that time, shortboarding was really like kneeboarding, you know, greeno. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to surf like him, which is S turns, full speed, full rail engagement. And so trying to make a longboard basically do that, you yeah. know, with style. So okay. a lot of uh, cross stepping, you know, yeah. requires a lot of sort of input from the rider. Yeah. Um, this one is not necessarily wide point back. Yeah. Its predecessors that I made were yeah. um, the wide point back does make the board want to whip around and turn but it can be squirrely. Yeah. So this one's a little more neutral. Um, it's a beautiful board. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I'm really happy with that one. I bet. It's uh, it's a roll bottom. A lot of my stuff is just roll bottoms. Just straight up, so we're talking, we're not talking, you know, single to double barrel to V out, you know. Yeah, so. I mean, some of the stuff is, that fish is, but yeah. uh, these things, you know, like I said, they're like the predecessors to these hulls. Right. And, and I think the the trim and the dynamics of a roll bottom surfboard are, you know, really deep. 
Yeah. For me. Yeah. And, it, and I absolutely recognize it's not for everybody. Right. Um, it's just my So you, you primarily longboard? Yeah. Day in and day out? Yeah. Cool. If you go on a surf trip, say go down to a, I don't know, the East Cape, you know, shipwreck or a popular spot. Go in there next week. There you go. What are you going to bring? I'm taking a 6'8 and a 6'10. Nice. They're both 2 plus 1s. Yeah. Recently on this 2 plus 1 kick on Hell yeah. smaller boards. Is that right? Yeah. I know. I cool. made a, so many of these things for a lot of people and I've always been on four fins, twinsers, yeah. twin fins. Yeah. Um, and it was just recently sort of suggested to me that I ride tri-fins and so cool. I'm, I've, let's see, the 610 I haven't even ridden yet. Yeah. And the 68 I've ridden a handful of times and feels really good. Are and these like speed egg shapes or what kind of shapes? Yeah. yeah, essentially, you know, the 68, each of them could, if you stood them up on a wall and you didn't see the fins, you would maybe think they're like the twin pins that everyone's yeah. riding these days. It could be anything. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think, depending on your style preference, wave preference, whatever, you could put almost any fin set up on any of these boards. Mm. You know, you, could, you would adjust certain aspects of, you know, the bottom or the rail for mm -hmm. one or the other, but um, yeah, they're like, they're kind of like semi-full templated round pins. Cool. I bet you're pumped, man. I hope I'm you have excited, a great trip. Yeah. yeah, have you looked at the swell? Do you know what, what it's doing down there? It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Let's see, we're gonna get there Sunday. Monday looks really good. good. time of year. Tuesday looks like decent. Yeah. There's potential for a little bit of weather. Yeah. By Thursday, so we're keeping an eye on that. All right. but, um, it's looking pretty good. Killer. I'm pretty excited. Excellent. Good for you. I hope you get some good ones. Thanks. All right. Um, I'm, I'm conscious of your time here. 36 minutes, so I don't mean to hold you much longer, but oh, a no couple sweat. more questions if you're all right with that. <clears throat> yeah. Where'd you get the name Juicebox? Yeah. Juicebox. Uh, high school nickname. Is that right? I got that. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a freshman in high school, and I was the smallest kid on the baseball team. Uh, I was the second baseman. I still had my baby fat. Yeah. And... Uh, we were, we were going to a game. I think the bus, the bus either broke down or got lost or something. We were sitting there in like Southeast LA and we had one sophomore on our team and he was a funny guy, talkative. Yeah. We had classes together, me and this guy, but he was going around the bus just kind of joshing everybody and he created this scenario where I was stranded in the desert with nothing to eat or drink, and I was so small. He's like, man, God, you're so small. Like, what are you going to do out there? And he's like, I says, you know, like, you come across a juice box, and you take a couple sips, and you don't even finish the whole thing. Like, it's too much for you. And so, you know, my best friend at that time was much more kind of outgoing and yeah. charismatic and he did all the talking yeah. for the two of us and so <laughs> the team basically just you know warming up for the game that day started calling me juice box were, and it just, were you a freshman playing varsity no no no, no. that was the frost soft team yeah right on so yeah i worked my way up there i love baseball yeah i do cool. do you still do you still love baseball or are you broke down on it i do i i haven't obviously played in forever yeah but, uh i've been following it more recently than in yeah. recent years but uh yeah i, I got, still love baseball i got two boys the listeners to the pod know i talk about them often but my nine-year-old he just had an outstanding year like we're just clicked yeah you know? yeah and what i liked about him too was like he's very and he you know he could be a smart ass and all that stuff but like he's very in tune with the coach and mm -hmm. he's pretty tough and he roots his players on and he's like he's just 
it's hot, it's dirty, but he just perseveres, you know? Yeah. He hits left, throws right. I make him hit right-handed too when we play in the back. Cool. I try to walk that balance of like, because he was like, oh, should I played? I should have played fall ball, you know? I was like, no, you take a break, dude. Yeah. You know, play soccer now. You know, he's, he likes sports. Yeah. Know? I mean, I push him into sports, but he, he does well, you mm-hmm. know? So I think a balance is a good thing. Oh, yeah. Would you say that? Yeah. I mean, there was a time when I was in my early 20s and I was, you know, wishing I had surfed my whole life and was, you sure. know, had like gotten really good by the time I was 12 or something. But when I was, when it came time to, you know, having a job and facing adversity in like workplace or working on a team in the factory and all that, I referenced so much of what I learned playing baseball. Is that right? Yeah. I had this mentor coach, you know, from the time I was 13, basically through high school. And, uh, yeah, he taught us so much about, yeah, dealing with adversity and, you know, d- dealing with, you know, controlling only, you can only affect the things that you can actually control and uh, just playing on a team yeah. and dealing with failure. And that's huge. Huge. And so, so much of that stuff you learn through sports. Baseball is all about dealing with failure. Yeah, you fail by far, most of the time. The good, the good hitters <laughs> fail seven out of ten <laughs> yes, times. Yes, exactly. What high school did you go to? I went to Santa Monica High School. Santa Monica? And what was that coach's name? That coach's name was Tyrone Powell. Right on. He wasn't our high school coach. He was our club coach. All right. Uh, I just, luck of the draw, got on, was picked on his Heck team yeah. when I was 13 at Pony League. You yeah. Know, the first time, first time out of Little League where you're playing real baseball. Yep. And uh, yeah. He was, we were so psyched because he was young. He was probably in his 20s at this time. And he was the first coach I'd ever had who didn't have a kid on the team. Yeah. And so, uh, we, I mean, we just had no idea how lucky we were to have Tyrone. Shout out to Tyrone Powell, Coach Powell. If you know him or see him, tell him you heard about him on a pod. I'm yeah. a big fan of like, and I, I have a sixth grade teacher. I don't know how the hell I would track him down. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Clark, and he had a duck tail, which was cool back then. <laughs> yeah. And he introduced us to like Bob Marley, and he'd mm-hmm. play Public Enemy. It's like 92-ish. Wow. He'd play Metallica. Yeah. I remember Dr. Dre, you know, The Chronic was brand new. And mm-hmm. like everyone was like, I went to a Fresno school, and everyone was into it. And I was into it. And we were rapping it. And he goes, I don't like that. I don't like how they pour beer on women. I don't like how they treat women in that, you know, in that mm-hmm. video. And I was like, oh, like I never even kind of occurred to me, you know? And then like, I remember sex ed, him like being like, you know, here's Barbie and you know, it's the quintessential, you know, but you know, raise your hand if you know Queen Latifah is, you know? So, you know, I know, of course I know that. He's like, I think she's sexy. And he's like, sex is sexy is in the eye of the beholder, you know? Anyway, he just, he just like, in a very formative time, kind of just opened my mind to like, just be, and I'm pretty open to like, I know we're pretty, Politically, everyone's really polarized. I still like, I always have like, I just like listen to every, I don't know. I just listen to every, and I, 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 I listen, try to listen to everybody without being too judgmental and just pigeonholing people. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm digressing, but I'd love to find Mr. Clark. I don't even know his damn first name. <laughs> and he was yeah. young then, you know, but I'd love to track him down and just be like, hey, I, you know, I just want you to know, like, I still think about you and I appreciate what you did for me. So shout out oh, to Coach Powell. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I still talk to Tyrone. Oh, we're good. Text threads. Uh, we were texting recently the other day. Oh, hell day. yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's a big deal. I mean, at, 
And when I was young, I mean, I'm starting to get a feel for it. But yeah, the effect you have on younger people when yeah. they look up to you is huge. And so it is huge. You know, you never know how long that's going to stick. I'm coaching soccer now as an assistant. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know enough to coach head, but the, our head coach now, he's like, no bullshit, dude. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't pussy. Fit. I'm more like rah, rah, high five the kids, make them feel good about themselves. But yeah. like, he's just like, all right, let's go. And then he teaches technique, you know, and just to see the kids get better. And luckily my boy Joe responds better to that kind of drill sergeant-y kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to play KU, you know? Yeah. Um, different. I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with that, but sports are fun. My wife and I got so wrapped up in this damn baseball. You have to like bite your tongue, you know, oh, yeah. nine years old, but like playoffs happen. And then you know, all-star and you're like, damn, this is awesome. You know, just, and I sucked at baseball, but I always loved it. And uh, it's a beautiful sport, but yep. I'm just very nervous that, you know, I don't want to burn him out on it, you know, keep it fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a definitely a delicate balance. I remember my dad would always be down the right field line. I'd be pitching yeah. and he'd be standing there at the yeah. right field foul pole, just, you know, yeah. toe in the dirt. And yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to when your kid's out there. Yep. I mean, it drives you nuts. It's almost mm-hmm. like you can't watch. Yeah. They're in a, a playoff game. Uh, they're in the loser's bracket, and then they won three straight elimination. Oh, yeah. And that last one, Joe was playing first. He's got a great glove, mm-hmm. and he dropped the last out, just oh, dropped, and it loaded yeah. the bases. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to win now because mm-hmm. it's Little League. Like, they're going to, you know, and they're down by one. I was like, yeah, oh, no, he just blew ball. it. I was like, oh, my God, my wife and I, like, I want to cry, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, by the grace of God, the kids struck out looking. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, here I am rooting against an eight-year-old, but... Yeah. And then they won and then Joe just forgot about it, you know, but it's, I heard, I, 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 it's what, it's a cruel sport in that for kids because it's a team sport, but it's very, you know, you drop that ball at first base, it's only, Everyone's it's on you and you, it's yeah. on you. So you have to be resilient, move on yeah. and forget it. Just like when I surfed shipwrecks uh, in this, this spring and I blew a takeoff in front of everybody, mm. got to put that behind me. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> the other surfers don't put it behind them, but they're like, oh yeah, all right, screw yeah. you. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right, cool. Well, um, all right, I got a couple more questions, then I'll leave you alone. Okay. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Kyle Johnson, Juicebox surf, Surfboards, and I uh, implore you to check out. What's your Instagram, too? You got a great Instagram account. Juicebox, Juicebox Surfboards. Yeah. Yeah, find them. Cool. It's a cool picture of you on, on one of these holes, too. I want to say you're like mid-trim. Maybe, is oh, that you yeah. or is that a... Uh, yeah, there's a... I can't remember. Right on. But... Cool. There's some cool shots on there. All right. So, uh, what do you think of... Um, I got a good one. Everyone's yelling at each other these days, specifically, you know, that angriest surfer. I don't know if you follow surf media, but there's that Andy Lyon or Lyons. Anyway, he just beat, beat some kid's uh, board into a pulp out at Malibu, and uh, he just sounds insufferably annoying. But um, there's been a lot of conflict in the water, I see, like, uh, mm-hmm. because of the crowds, by people like me, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then with the wave storms and uh, et cetera, like... How do you navigate crowds? What's your take on that? Like, yeah, well, I, it's so tricky. Yeah. It, honestly, where I, where and when I go surfing is hugely dictated by how crowded it yeah. is. And I'm not, I'm totally not, I'm not a Dane Purley, you know, yeah. who just literally only surfs by themselves. And, mm. you know, like when I got to Arrow, <laughs> the manager said, we have guys in here who walk backwards through their tracks down to the beach so that people won't be able to figure out where they're going and stuff like that. I'm not like that. Yeah. I'm not that core. I'm just, it's not me. But uh, yeah, it's so hard. I was surfing the hook the other day in the middle of the day. I thought I had a sneaky window and it was slower and more crowded. And you know, I just did it for 40 minutes and called it good. Yeah. Uh, There's definitely times when you just kind of have to let it go. Yeah. Um, I, I, I ran a, young kid over the other day and 
you know, he came out of nowhere just careening down the face, you know, tobogganing on his board. Yeah. Um, I had nowhere to go. I had just come through a section, bunch of speed, and I, my board, it didn't hit him. It rolled up his back, but, you know, it was hugely frustrating and, yeah. and, and terrifying, too. You know, I don't want to no. knock a 10-year-old out, you know, but then, or however old he was, but yeah. then he came up and he was kind of like, nonchalant about it and then i had to let him know i I don't i'd make a policy of not really trying to you know i'm not going to beat some guys or do a pulp but and i really can't afford to be a jerk out there like you know just with business i'm in but i let this kid have it and then at the end of that i was you know i was telling him he needed to go in and then i told myself i needed to go in so Mm. it happens you know in some degree i think a little bit of Conflict is necessary. I agree. Uh, just because, you know, some people just I don't know how badly they can screw up or how badly things can go out there yeah. when stuff like that happens. But, you know, too much hostility, obviously, yeah. isn't good for anybody. It defeats the whole purpose. And then once you get into someone, even though I agree, like, ethically, it's probably the right thing to do is put yourself in an uncomfortable position to straighten that kid out. And you actually did him a favor, too. I've gotten yelled at yeah. and I fucked up. I dropped in on a guy. Mm-hmm. I was mad. I've waited a half hour. It was midday, 10.30 a.m., so half foot day. Yeah. And the guy just came down the steps and I let my ego get the best of me. It turns out he was a badass surfer and he just came screaming down the line. Yeah. I didn't kick out good enough. Like my board still kind of, he had to kind of duck past it. Yeah. He came back and just, and it was just like recently. Yeah. And it was so uncomfortable and I stayed calm. I was, All right, dude. And I pissed him off because I didn't engage back to him. Mm-hmm. But I know what he's thinking. Like yeah. I've thought that same thing about people. And I can't surf. He didn't tell me to go in, but I may as well have. It was a half hour later. I'm like, I got to go back to work. Like, (laughs) my heart's pumping. It sucks. Yeah. And if I see that guy, I don't even know if he remember me. He might tell me to fuck off again. But I almost would be like, hey, it's all good. Like, thank you for that. Like, I appreciate it. Because it was a good reminder not to let my ego get the best of me. Yeah. And I'm not a badass. Like, I just thought I could drop in and keep going, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't that good. He was, you know, when you drop in on someone, you're saying you're better than them. And also, you have the right of way and whatever nuances are there. Yep. But getting yelled at's not a bad thing. But you did the... (laughs) <laughs> you did the policing for that kid that you almost killed and for his own safety. But once you do that, it's like, how do you even like go back and float out there and be happy again and relax? Like you may as well just go into now. Right. Yeah, it, it's true. It's tricky. And and then, yeah, you're not, you're not out there getting what you went there to get. No. So well, the crowds are a trip, but on the same time on the flip side, it's like, you probably find yourself in this predicament in which you, you wish there are less crowds, but the more surfers there are, you know, the more potential customers there are for your business too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't be out there no. scaring people off. That's for no. sure. And, uh, <laughs> right on. you know, it's, have you, um, all right, I'm going to let you go. Two more questions and then I'm out of here. Um, when was the last time you were scared in a surf situation? where you had your bell rung or where you're in just in some critical situation. Oh man, let's see. Probably surfing Scott Creek. Oh yeah. Last year, last winter, you know, just like uh, shifty boiling sets coming in. Um, I can't remember specifically, but I just, you know, that's the nearest I can think of. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a hugely aggressive big wave guy. Right. But, uh, what kind of board are you taking out on a big shifty day at Scott Creek? That day I probably had either my 6.8 or my 7.6. Right. 7.6. Six. 
I think at the time the 7.6 was a single fin. Since then I've glassed on some side bites. Got it. You glassed it on that, that very board? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. That's cool. I'm all about that kind of sort of modification of cool board in that way. Cool. Yeah, I always assume like, oh, you can't glass on fins. That it wasn't designed that way. They didn't, you know, carve out the right channels or something like that. But you're, mm-hmm. but you can. Yeah, honestly, every time I do glass a fin, I end, I end up uh, modifying it. You All can right. add fiberglass or remove fiberglass as much as you want. Cool. Two last two questions. I have two more now. Glass on versus a fin box. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in terms of feel for you? Uh going through some of that right now. Yeah. I got this longboard. I. I think I love, and I got the fin dialed, and so I'm gonna remake it with the glass on. Okay. And uh, conceptually, I like the idea of just one solid object. Right. Especially with the bigger boards and the big fin, this just, the box is solid and as tight as the fin is in there. It's not as integrated and solid as a glass on. Right. Um, you know, even with performance shortboards, glass ons were the standard Right. for a long time and guys were real stubborn about going to fin systems and stuff um mm. it's funny you ask that because i recently was just like uh you know thinking about this and i was like i want to redo my whole quiver with glass ons like all the boards i think that are there that i like um you know i want to go all in on them. but then again you know it's harder to travel or move around and, right. and then switching your fin or just even moving your fin can change the board. It's kind of fun. Life. Yeah. You know, I got no guys that change their fins just based yeah. on the waves that day. I, I don't know if I, I don't do it based on the waves, but like my, I have a nine ten Ron, mm-hmm. you know, nose rider. Yeah. And I am no nose rider. <laughs> I probably would be better suited on something just about like trimming and, you know, moving. I suck at stepping and all that. But like, I'll go through like, a, I just want a nose ride. You know, I'm going to get it down this time. Yeah. And then I'll put on that pivot fin all the way in the back. And I feel, and it's nice, but you know, you have to pivot. And then I take one of those rainbow, it's like a 4A ripoff kind of, uh, um, I don't know, MD3 or something, right? So yeah. it's like, and it's like a big ass, like, it's like 10 inches or something. I put that guy on and I it, ta- it changes the board. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, I like this thing, you know? So yep. it's kind of inspiring. But uh, glass on looks so clean too. Just yeah. looks cool. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, one solid object. It's cohesive. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> I got a longboard with the glass on recently, and uh, the fin hums. Yeah. And I've had fin hum before, but I've never had it where I can feel it resonating through. And my this feet. is a glass on. Yeah. It's all it is is the trailing edge. It just needs. It's just a little too blunt, and okay. so there's air cavity yeah. that's forming back there. Um, but yeah, I never felt fin hum all through the board and through my feet. Mm. It's like resonating through the That's whole thing. A so that again, just it, it's more cohesive that way. But uh, yeah, being able to change your stuff is so cool. enlightening and fun and whatever. All right, um, you're a competent surfer. You probably, well, maybe you do or don't, but when was the last time you kooked it? Oh, somebody's I way. I really hard at the Memorial Day contest at the lane. Oh, really? The longboard contest. Yeah. It was funny the way they had the heats. There was like Saturday's round of heats didn't count towards anything. And then everybody, so everybody got two heats. And then the Sunday heat was what, where your placement mm, mattered if you uh, advanced or not. Yeah. Saturday, I thought I did great. My main goal, I mean, I'm riding this ancient style board at the lanes. Was really it this hard. guy? It was the yellow board. The okay. Pintail. What a pretty board. Um, 
Saturday, made all my waves, didn't send my board into the cliff, (laughs) you know, thought I did fine. I didn't even look at the standings or whatever. Hey, real quick, not to digress too much, but the nature of that contest, was that like a leashless longboarding contest or was it like a mix or what was was the Memorial Day contest at the lane? That's the Santa Cruz Longboard Union. Got it. Contest Memorial Day that they hold every year. Well, they haven't held it for a couple of years, right. but long-standing uh, longboard coalition contest. God, are you part of that? Are you part of the Santa Cruz Santa Cruz Longboard Union? Working on it. Good for you. I should be by now, but I I just always dragging my feet about that for some reason. <laughs> All right, but uh, anyway, yeah. So it's not necessarily like the guys who advanced, especially at this one. You know, they're riding. Uh, high performance style oh, okay like just what works out there you know yeah the guys who were on arrows in my heat cleaned me up yeah but uh yeah so sunday came around um i was surfing one of some guy from the san diego club was in my heat and we we're kind of chatting and yeah jerry said hey juice you want to go on this one i said oh sure and i took off and boom bottom sort of dropped out of it and i'm hanging on and then uh just got the wave section in front of me mm. i got rolled and just sent my board straight into the cliff my oh, friends shit. were watching and it was, the board was pretty much brand new i'd had it for a couple of weeks and oh. you know uh i sent it so into the cliff that i thought it was pinned under the cliff like yeah. i couldn't see it yeah floating in there swimming past table rock you know yeah. i couldn't even hear what the announcer was saying no it was probably funny and <laughs> i'm like gosh my board's just buried underwater and then sure enough it went all the way around and yeah. in and you know cold swim blah, 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 go get it um but basically for the next however long the heat was i didn't even really get my feet under no me. i got a couple more waves and i pretty much almost fell on those two yeah and, uh, yeah. So did your board go into indicators and cowls area or, or did it go the far, other direction? Okay. We were basically surfing the slot. So yes. it just went around yeah. sort of where Table Rock is and straight yeah. in to yeah. like that yeah. you know, cove of rocks. That's a good one. It was a good one. Yeah, I was pretty pretty that's, rattled that's, by that's that. That's pretty one. humbling. Yeah. That's funny cuz cuz it's all like the chatter in your head too. You're like, oh. Fuck. Like, yeah. You know, after eating it, and oh, you, you yeah. feel your board like, go, and you're like, where's my board? Then you're like, oh, it's a fucking contest. God damn it, why'd I go on that? And <laughs> so you have all good. these, like, and then like, bah, 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 and you know your yeah. friends are watching. Like, it's just a lot going on. <laughs> totally. And, like, they're just cringing watching the board, and then, you know, know how much whatever that means to me or something. And, yeah. But, uh, cool. no, I, I, I cook it every time I go out there. Hit, you know, you hit kelp or stand up off balance. But well, it's I, kind of what I try and take it all in stride. I bet you do. It. You seem like you have the demeanor <laughs> for it. So God bless you. I appreciate you, Kyle. And uh, yeah, Juicebox Surfboards, enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. And thank you for joining me on the pod. Thank you. Thanks right. for having me. Yeah, buddy. That's it. Right on. Hey, you want to know a kooky move? Way more kooky than Kyle eating it at the Memorial Day uh, longboard contest at uh, Steamer Lane in Bucolic, Santa Cruz. I took his iPhone home with me. I was almost taking it home, actually. We cleaned up. I said, hey, thanks again, you know. Said bye to his doggy. And uh, I guess I grabbed his damn iPhone and just put it in my back pocket. I'm blaming it on the ear infection. And uh, he kind of, he knocked on the window of my door. He goes, hey, you mind calling my cell? I'm having trouble finding my phone. (laughs) I said, sure. What's your number? So he gave me his number. I started calling and then my back pocket started vibrating. And I was like, oh, dude, here's your phone. I'm sorry. We don't even have the same color iPhone cases, but whatever. Life's weird. I'm learning that life 
doesn't cease to be weird. Like there will always be something. I'm always going to accidentally grab someone's iPhone or I'm going to run over a crowbar. You know, but like 95% of life is good, but there's that little 5% where I do little kooky things like that. And uh, the older I get, I realize the more absurd life is. So I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with that feel-good notion. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Midlife Surfer Podcast. I'll see you when I see you. But yeah, you know, like soft rails on a nose rider and the tail, you know, I feel that suck up and yeah, you know, as opposed to looking at a nice tucked edge where you can kind of shoot out and come back, you know, so there's obviously principles, obviously. Yeah, buddy. Started a stupid podcast, two years deep on this. Dope city, bitch. Where'd you get the name Juicebox? Days are different, swells are different, tides are different. One day's magic and one day's shitty. One day's magic and one day's shitty. Yeah, man.